0: Welcome to Femme on Film. I'm your host, Ria, In every episode I ask a guest or guests to join me to discuss films that are female-led, created by women for women, um, starring women, just all about women. Usually they've been unfairly maligned or dismissed as frivolous. We're talking about rom-coms, the term I hate. Um, and often these films, and especially this film, are films that are misunderstood or critically ravaged and are feminist and way ahead of this ta- of their time, I have two amazing guests here. I'm very excited to speak to them. I will introduce them first before we talk about the film. Although you can see the title of the podcast, so you know what film we're talking about. So, welcome to Ada, fellow FemOn co-host, and Tony Holt. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Would you two like to introduce yourselves a bit more?
1: Go ahead, Tony. I've I've talked extensively on Fem <laughs>
2: Oh well thank you very much um tony holt here i am an avid podcast listener this is the uh second podcast i've been on i was um honored to join uh, uh tanya todd and ada as well on a comics in motion podcast the um the the podcast recapping she hulk episodes and after such a great time uh, uh on that podcast when ada asked me to be a part of this one for for my love of the feature we'll be discussing as well I was excited to be part of this conversation and jump on this call. Um, so thank you for having me. Yay! Well, Aida
0: is to thank about all of this really, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Well, I love Femme on Film. I love I, I love everything about this project, Rhea. And Tony, you introduced me to Tank Girl. Mm. You are to credit for all of this. You brought Tank Girl into my life. Um, We I remember I remember the mall date when we were at Barnes and Noble and picking up Tank Girl and standing there in the comic style being like this exists. And you were like, oh, yeah, you've seen the movie, right? I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So naturally bought the book, um, came home, watched the movie many more times, watched the movie. I think in May we probably three or four different times saw it.
2: it was at least three times, at yeah. At least
1: three times. So it was
0: May this year. The oh, no, 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 time... no. Oh God, no. Right. Okay, I was like, what? you would be missing out on a lot. I know.
1: It was probably, we still live on that first back time we
2: watched, yeah, first time we watched it was probably five or ten years ago. Okay, um,
1: yeah. I... uh, It would have been 2013, and then... I think.
2: Yeah. But then recently, just this year, we've watched it again. Like, I think just this year, we watched it like two, three times already.
0: Love it so much, and Ada just yeah. in our in our general film on chat was talking about how you two had been watching Tank Girl, and I was so excited. Tank Girl was a film of my teens, and I, as I was saying to you both, like nobody else had ever watched it. Still, nobody's ever watched it. I mean, mm-hmm. a, a lot of boys who are now men had watched it, unsurprisingly, but women, and they were the people who I wanted to talk to about Tank Girl. I mean, Tony Honorary. Um, <laughs> Uh, Thank you very none much. of them. You're welcome. None of them had watched it, and I, and so it's been on my list. So when Ada said it, I was like, "Done. We're done. This is happening." And and then she talked about how much you two have been watching it and how into the comics you are. That I actually am quite happy to sit this one out and just listen and make occasional excited remarks, um but genuinely so excited. So we are talking about the 1995 Tank Girl film starring Laurie Petty. Uh, directed by Rachel Tullerlay, which I keep on looking up how to to say, so I may say it multiple different ways. I'm trying my best. Um, Obviously based on the Tank Girl comic. Now, I have very little interaction with the comic. I believe I knew of Tank Girl the comic through my eldest brother, who was also the person who introduced me to, like, Sandman, Love and Rockets. So he introduced me. I used to sneak into his room and steal comics and read them. Um, (laughs) Some of them completely inappropriate. And I may have misremembered that. I may have just made it up. The film may have been the first time I came across Tank Girl, but I feel like I definitely read some of the comics beforehand. And then when the film was out, my my brother, who's older than me, but not my eldest brother, and I would go to the video shop. And as soon as we saw the front cover, it's like we are taking that home and watching that. And then I was just in love with it. I've been in love with Laurie Petty for her entire existence and then seeing her as tank girl or Rebecca which I find hard in this film re-watching mm-hmm. I forgot that they called her Rebecca throughout because in my head it is just tank girl and mm-hmm. and so revisiting it it was really exciting I actually have very different opinions on it now than I do when I was a teenager in my early 20s in terms of I still love it however I'm not convinced it's a great film as if you had asked like 16 year old me I would have said this is the best film I've ever seen in my entire life but I think the <laughs> themes of it are a lot stronger I think the performances I appreciate them a lot more but anyway that was my quick history with Tank Girl and obviously Tony I feel like you are the Tank Girl what's the right I, expert
2: <laughs> I, oh, expert expert is high praise <laughs> high praise probably not do um <laughs> But I will say it definitely was a, a formative movie of myself of myself as well. When this came out in 95, uh, I, I definitely didn't go see it in theaters. Not the kind of thing my parents would have signed up to take a, a young preteen Tony Holt to see. Um, I probably I probably came to it 96, maybe soon after. Um, so I would have been very early in my teen years. I was always into comic books and comic book lore. I mean, I, I was... Watched all the Saturday morning cartoons, loved, grew up with Marvel and DC. Um, so seeing Tank Girl on the screen uh, as a comic book movie, one of the kind of earlier comic book movies that wasn't total camp, took the took the genre seriously, tried to be a real movie. Uh, it just it just blew me away. Um, to this day, I still you know that's still one of the formative movies of my childhood that I go to, um, and I and I still as. As, as controversial as the production was, as as um, um, poorly received as the movie was by the public, I still think it's a great movie. And to your point, Rhea, I think this is definitely a movie ahead of its time. for not only for comic book movies, but just kind of action movies in general, and the way the pacing of the movie, the style of the cinematography, the mixed media between still, screen sh- still shots of the actual comic, as well as uh, some of the animated portions that they drew uh, interspliced together. It just, it was something that you didn't see at the time, you know, again, outside of camp, super camping movies or things made for kids, something that a genre hadn't taken seriously. So just, like you saw, it blew my mind, loved it ever since, have watched it ever since. Um, And just recently, as Ada mentioned, we were in the bookstore, picked up the Tank Girl comic books, and then started getting into the comic book lore a bit more. And for me, the two are, the two hold very different places, right? Mm -hmm. Still love comic books. Not as huge, not going to lie, not a huge fan of the Tank Girl comics themselves. Haven't read a ton of them. Love the movie. Love the movie.
1: Do you know it's been 10 years, 10 years since that fateful Barnes and Noble
0: trip? (laughs)
2: i had i had not thought about that 10 years ago uh uh, when you first were introduced to tank girl i had not thought about that it's
0: it's probably been 10 years since i watched the film probably a bit more than that as well so i feel like the 10 years in tank girl there's got to be something in there
1: the thing when i i don't remember why i think i was just feeling nostalgic when i first put it on in may but what really this year has pulled me back into tank girl and tank girl lore is this opening line it's 2033 the world is screwed um Mm. (laughs) and these themes of water being life and water and power um Mm. more relevant than ever before um and I think for all it's for all it's things that haven't maybe aged so well since 1995 um Mm. I think those sort of core elements are just as if not more relevant than ever, and more um, more salient than ever for me.
0: Yeah, and I've seen a lot of stuff that Tank Girl's really been revived around the Me Too movement as well, which I find really interesting. So since people have sort of been uh-huh. calling out, you know, the horrificness of every single industry and how men dominate it and take advantage of women, how Tank Girl is a feminist icon that we can look at and go and draw strength from and I find that really interesting as well that there's sort of a, a new generation coming out and discovering it and feeling empowered by Laurie Petty's interpretation of the character and I just I find that so interesting that it came out I mean this is one of the things I love to talk about I talk to Tony about Josie and the Pussycats and how that film came out was absolutely ripped ripped apart and we even talked about some of the reviews mm. that were it genuinely were wrong you know they were written by a bunch of old boring white men who were never going to get something like Josie and the Pussycats it, you know they were not the target audience and and the same has happened with Tank Girl it came out and people were just like not from the start it feels like when you read all the criticisms you read all the reviews, just not interested from the start not interested in getting bored with it because it's a comic book film because it's got a female lead and that female lead is strong sexually active feminist doesn't put up with anybody's bullshit and you can tell when you start reading reviews from the off they're just not interested in it and we as a society are becoming more feminist I hope I mean sometimes it feels like it's not especially for you guys in America you know we're looking Mm. more at equality and equity, and people are trying to find ways to find their voice. And I feel like this film does do that. I liked it a lot less on this rewatch of it, just in terms of how it is made as a film. But I loved it in so many other different ways, which was such a strange experience for me because I was going in it going, I am going to say this is the best film ever, even though I know it's like been critically just ripped apart. I still don't think those reviews and the way critics responded to it is correct. I think that's why it's being received really different now. But I just can't get over. Like I'm so pleased we watched and we watched it again. Well, you've been watching it, loads, and we're getting to talk about it because my reaction was so different. And I felt I understood why I liked it so much. But I just felt really empowered. I felt so. Watching it, I felt so... Oh, I've lost all my words. Um, (laughs) I think Empowered is one of them, but I felt like we don't get to see films like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if it was a film that was made by a man, starring a man... I mean, I say this all the time, so it's not like it's anything new. Made by a man, starring a man, it would have received a lot higher praise. But also, I think it would have immediately gone into cult status. I think it's yeah. taking this time since 1995 for it to gain that cult status and for people to be enjoying it and embracing it. And I just find that so fascinating. But I also understand why, because we as a society, myself as a woman, I've become more feminist the older I've gotten. They understand the landscape. I've become more intersectional. And I will say this film, wow, a lot of white people and the, like one <laughs> black dude we put in. Kangaroo
2: makeup. <laughs> you, you one, you got to have one. Yeah, I
0: didn't feel great. <laughs> well, and then we get the
1: holographic woman in the dressing room telling you to pierce your ears and shave all your body hair.
0: Um. But then, what's amazing about that is Tank Girl does not do that, and I love that. Like this is why this film is ahead of the time because it's the the holo- the the perfect woman, quote unquote in that hologram looks like what much of society still continues to think is the perfect type of woman now, all these years later. And she's saying how to be this way, how to present yourself to men. The Tank Girl is not having any of it. And I love that, like that seems so powerful. This is just me talking. I said, it wasn't gonna be me talking. I said, it's gonna be you two talking. So I'm gonna stop talking now. But uh, how is your, how have you evolved with this film, would you say?
1: I'm also, I wouldn't, I have a question. I'm curious. Maybe we can come back to this. I'm so curious about when you said you, you didn't love it this time that you watched it, having gone into it this time, thinking you were going to talk about how it's the best film ever and you loved it so much. So I'm curious about that. Maybe that's a question we can come back to. Um, but my, my, av- only since May have I like really dug into the lore and the criticism and the reviews and um kind of reading more about more about it beyond this one book and one movie um, that I have in the house Um, and I one thing that I find really really interesting is that I can't find evidence in the book of the rippers like Booga's origin story in the book that we have is totally different Um, so I think it's really interesting that that the movie needed that conceit and needed this sort of like monster story um, to function or if it needed it and why it exists. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting. One of the reviews that I read talked about how um, the director couldn't find work for like decades after she, as a director, for decades after she made this um, this movie. And that I think there were significant but the review talked about how there were significant portions and pivotal scenes that were cut from the final movie as there are in any movie um but this interview with her talked about how it would have been a very different movie if it hadn't been kind of cut and reconfigured as it is presented to us today so I'm I'm really curious about about all of that and I think that's that my evolution has has been primarily it, curiosity is the word that I would surface for for that. What about you, Tony?
2: Well, you raise a very good point. Um, I did not know the the lore behind or I mean, lore is the wrong word. I didn't know the controversy behind how the movie came out uh, literally until this year, until we started talking about it until I started doing some research. Going back to, uh, I think it was a Vice article in 2017, where they interviewed uh, the director. Um, and she and she dished on all of the things that happened in the background. And Ada, like you mentioned, Rhea, like you mentioned, what we see, and from what, as I understand, both the criticism as well as some of the, the critical writing on it, what we see of the Tank Girl movie today is not what it was meant to be. It was meant to be closer to the comics. It was meant to have more of that uh, irreverence, more of that empowerment for women, more of uh, Tank Girl having her own agency and making her own choices, as well as more of just kind of the fun of the comic book as well. But once the patriarchy got their hands on it, once the producers got hold of it, they went through and made a lot of cuts and changes uh, to, to make it more palatable to a larger audience, which I think fits with the time right think uh, if we if we if we think about the films that came before Tank Girl that were comic book based films starring a female lead Barbarella in 68 starring Jane Fonda hypersexualized Gr- another great movie with a strong female protagonist but still not on the level of Tank Girl not as much agency still serving the patriarchy if you will Uh, sheena based on sheena warrior princess let's not even get into the colonialism of a a blonde white female coming out of coming out of mother africa with the powers to talk to animals we're not going to go there but still a very different film with a with a a protagonist that is in service to the patriarchy supergirl in 80 i said sheena came out in 84 that same year supergirl starring helen slater in 84 traditional Character, DC, strong DC character that's got her own history, still appears in a short skirt. Second to second to Cal L, with everyone cl- questioning her abilities. Red Sonia in '85, starring Bridget Nelson. Largely, it was largely Conan Three. It was driven by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and of course, you know the problem that we see with female armor—they're bikinis that don't actually protect you. Who's actually going <laughs> to wear that in a battle? Um, and then another another one, very little known, Brenda Starr. Um, a, a comic about a female reporter made into a movie in 89 starring Brooke Shields. Like this is the closest we come to the, our, our, our post tank girl world of having a, a woman coming into her own with her own agency, yet she is still presented as that classic fifties female woman, right? Even in the movies that tried to bridge that gap or tried to breach that the glass ceiling, if you will, of having a strong female lead, we're still built in service of the patriarchy. And I think that's the movie that we receive today. Yet still, 20 years later, we're talking about Tank Girl. Almost 30 years later, we're still talking about Tank Girl. And it's seen a resurgence in the last number of years. So much so that there was rumored to be a Margot Robbie remake uh, uh, just before, in in, I think late 2018, early 2019, um, that has still not gotten off the ground.
1: I think I've heard of three of those precursors to Tank Girl that you mentioned. And the 1989 one, never even heard of that.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. I, I did a little, I'm not going to lie, I did a little research, but right. I, I've seen Barbarella, love Barbarella. Uh, haven't seen, hadn't heard of Sheena until now. Um, and they, I want to say they just recently, I think Netflix just recently did an animated Sheena Warrior Princess. That was Ooh. very different. Much more to the cartoon as opposed to this movie. Supergirl, uh, Um. I, as I watched that trailer, I remember seeing the Supergirl movie, but again, it didn't get the play that the Superman movies did with Christopher Reeves. Uh, I don't think Christopher Reeves ever even showed ever even made a cameo in that Supergirl movie. Red Sonia, I thought that was Conan Three for the longest time because it was driven by Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm-hmm. uh, and then Brenda Starr, never heard of it, never heard of it. But these were, I mean, these were all again comic book based movies with a strong female lead that were. Uh, I don't know the origin of all of them. I don't know the controversy behind them, but it's clear the movie that we got was influenced to appeal to the wider male audience. And that's, and that's what exactly what tank girl suffers from. Why we don't have that, that true artist vision and why we may not have gotten a movie that pushed the envelope more than it could have.
0: Yeah. Cause it's all about the male gaze. All of those films have only not heard of one um, is it's all about the male gaze which we see over and over again and Tank Girl you can tell that they're trying well I would say it's shot it's costumed without the male gaze I mean and we look at the names behind it we look at the uh, the costume designer whose name has just dropped out of my head I'll have to look at my notes um you know she's now like award-winning done so many things but you can tell that it is not there to just titillate men I mean a lot of what Tank Girl wears I would say people would say it's for titillation that's because they're not looking deeper they think it's for titillation because that's what they're used to seeing on screen but actually I would say it is the opposite it is just who Tank Girl is these are just what she's wearing she's not interested in anything else she wears things that make her feel good that she feels strong and powerful and just because occasionally it happens to show some flesh doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's there for titillation and you know, lori petty does not have that bombshell body either and that's why it works really well like when i was a teenager watching tank girl i wanted to wear everything she was wearing but not because i wanted to boys to look at me because it just looked amazing and I thought it looks cool and I want to feel like that and I want to feel powerful. You know, at no point do we get anything where it's about, I mean, we do have men who try to abuse her constantly throughout the mm. film and, and I don't necessarily think that's because it's what she's wearing. I think the film's saying something very strongly about men <laughs> that she could be completely covered up and not have a shaved head and not be punk and they would still want to rape and assault her you know i you know we see that with jet girl right who mm-hmm. you know is yep. apparently mousy and constantly covered up in greasy hair like men still want to dominate her so that's what it's trying that's for me is what the film is trying to say the problem is men all of the evil people i'm not sure if you noticed are men i mean there's one evil fashion designer woman um are you talking about
1: the uh, woman who runs silver? Yeah.
0: Uh, who, who, silver. Yeah, the sets, liquid silver, yeah. Um, yeah, liquid silver, thank you. I didn't say it because I couldn't remember. I could remember the liquid, but I couldn't remember the silver, which is weird because it's all silver. So you think that would be what would pop in my head. Um, and, so, so, and she is doing that. She is dressing up these women, selling these women. I mean, she is a terrible human being for the male gaze. So within its own... Within its own film law, it is saying something about the male gaze, as well as showing us something about the male gaze. That's all gotten away from me, as you can tell. Um, I had a very succinct line. I should look at my notes. Classic Greer. I've got a huge note about this. It's like three <laughs> paragraphs long, and I'm just blurting out everything that's in my head. But I think that's why I really loved it, and it's why I still love it now, because it is. Uh, it for me, it is pure female gaze and it is nothing else and that is really rare and enjoyable
1: and along that same line of of the costuming Arianne Phillips um, thank you see one thing that I that I notice every time that I watch it and that I really am drawn to is the lack of high-heeled shoes yeah. Tank Girl does not wear high heels high heels are a plot against women as Jess reminds us in National <laughs> Treasure um and I think that I think that is just a really understated and power just power flex.
2: Uh, it, it's iconic. In fact, even in the comic book, you see her barefoot or in combat boots, right? Mm. Um, and and every time I, I I every time I see that, I come back to someone we were talking before we started recording. Uh, I come back to the movie uh, Firefly. And um, the scenes where you would see River, um, whenever she would step out into her warrior or her warrior form, you would—the first thing you would see is her step out, out in combat boots. You saw it in the series, you saw it in the movie as well. Um, and I can't remember, but I feel like there was a line where they where they talked about her uh, being an angel in combat boots. Um, yes. I come back to that and I think about that when I think about Tank Girl. Right? What you said. Uh, Very similar to what you said. I I read a passage earlier today where in one of the early comics, um, the authors are going into a lot about her wardrobe and uh, the fashion that she has very much punk influenced, very, very close to that punk style of the, of the eighties and late eighties. And, and you'll see that, that high fashion and, and that nineties cool play out a lot in that movie that, where other people might say it age doesn't age well, I think that that fashion and that iconography of the 90s, they capture it so well in this movie. But I think that also is is consistent with how they did the comic book. They talk a lot about her fashion, about what she chooses to wear, the the joy that she, that her clothes bring her as opposed to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that point again, that point of having agency and having her power just comes through in in so many different ways and so many different pieces, fashion notwithstanding.
1: That's a you mentioned something that I think is really, for me, uh, heartening and iconic about the movie as well as the joy. Um, We're Mm. we're living in this movie in a world where it hasn't rained in thirteen years. There's there's one company that literally owns all water and all power in the world. Um, Existence is perilous, and yet we are shown scene after scene after scene of rest and pleasure and play, um, feasting growing vegetables, enjoying each other's company and just like living for the sake of enjoying, enjoying these moments that we have any way that we can and, and giving our lives to protect that joy and that pleasure and that sense of play. Um, I really think that's the, the heart of it from one of the hearts of it for me.
2: Even in liquid silver, even in the brothel where, where it, abuse and exploitation is happening rampant. Everybody stops to join in on a family style <laughs> sing along musical. Talk about sparking joy in, in, the, in a, the most joyless places. That was, I, I imagine, one of the most fun times that anyone had at Liquid Silver.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah absolutely and I I love the post-apocalyptic genre it's something I delve into constantly over and over again and we see it all the time but it's always so depressing always Mm. and I'm telling you right now if all of this shit goes down I want Tank Girl I want to feel joy I want you know I want Found Family we all know how I feel about Found Family it's one of my favorite things in any type of storytelling I want like when the shit is bad I want some to be like, yeah, this is shit, but we're going to blow it up and we're going to have an amazing time. And then afterwards, we're going to go and have some drinks and have some food and hang out with our friends. And I'll do some weird cutting of my tights with some scissors, you know, (laughs) it's like it's and I'm just like, when do we get to see that? we never get to see that. And that's why this stands out. And I think as well, Laurie Petty's performance really brings that to life. I know know the comic book creators have huge issues with the film and I kind of get it, but I also kind of don't because I'm like, it's okay, but it's different. I say this as somebody who's never created something that has then been changed massively outside of my vision. Um, I'm sure I would be very (laughs) precious about it. (laughs) But, you know, I think it's hard Having not read that much Tank Girl, it's hard to bring what is on that page on screen. Let alone when yeah. it's being chopped up in post-production by annoying white middle-aged men. It's hard to bring that on screen, and they're trying their best. And Laurie Petty gets it, and she is like, "I have been given this character. I am going to be this character, and I'm going to bring." Absolutely every single part of me into every scene that I do. And she is extraordinary in this film. Like like absolutely. I just cannot yeah. get over her performance. And to think that this basically destroyed her career as well, I'm just like, th- this mm. shows what's wrong with hollywood and the and the movie making industry, because there's no way for me that you can't watch that performance and say, I want to put this person on screen. It's just, it's just, it's, it's like, it just says everything. (laughs) It really does. I'm getting angry now. Before I was really excited and ignoring my notes, and now I'm getting angry and ignoring my notes.
2: This one's going to make even, this one's going to make even more angry, right? Um, The closest, I I read this in a different article. Um, $25 million budget. The closest corollary, the, the most, I think it was Batman Forever that came out 95 96 they had a 60 million dollar budget if not if not more right i think maybe maybe that was about the right one but um i read through an article where every other movie of that came out of its time action-based movie driven by a man had a hundred hundred million dollar budget or more right 25 million dollars they only had $25 million for their budget, a quarter of what every other male-driven, male-led action film would have received. One of the closest corollaries, Batman, being another comic book movie, got 60 million. It might have been the original Batman that got 60 million. It might Batman Forever probably had a higher production budget. But look at Batman Forever. While I love that movie, it is the worst of the Batman. <laughs> it is the second worst well, of the Batman. Well, Batman and
0: Robin, movies. yes.
2: <laughs> oh my god let's not let's not even go uh to that codpiece filled movie where they did not use <laughs> alicia silverstone to her her full potential in the least chalk what chalk another another female superhero up to the wayside right um but yeah th- every, every other movie got four times the budget that tank girl had yet with with a quarter of the budget they still produced such a a uh, an iconic uh, uh movie that pushed the envelope wherever they could and like you mentioned Lori Petty, brilliant actress, um, brought so much life to this role and so much of that joy as well. Um, Naomi Watts, first role in a major motion picture outside of her home country of Australia. And she blew up after this movie. Ice T, one of the first Mm movies, one of the early movies that he had done before he had done gangster films, police films, where he played the same role, right? New Jack City, Juice, all of those things. This was before he hit it big on. On, um, uh, on, on Law & Order SVU. Um, one of the few- And we one see of the him making fun of it. Say that again. And we see him making fun of
1: his previous roles.
2: Yeah, yeah, but but this one was like, this is one of the first roles, like he had so so few parts, people don't even recognize that it's him. Um, but he played his role to a T, right? You need that, that tough guy that doesn't listen and is totally headstrong, and he plays the role to a T. Just, just great acting in it, and then Malcolm McDowell—the few minutes he's actually on screen, uh, and then the rest of it being voiceover with a body double. Even Malcolm McDowell just looks like he is having a great time in that movie. It looks like it was so much fun just to be there. I, I just think that 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 joy that comes with the movie, the joy that you 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 see on screen for those that love the movie, I think that translates to the actors. I think that's where the that's that's where we bit because we're having fun on set
1: transcendent I'm so curious why Naomi Watts blew up and Lori Petty's career tanked post Tank
2: Girl that's a good question that's a good Um, question um,
1: and I think I'm thinking now about how like in Tank Girl Naomi Watts is the the sort of buttoned up good girl foil and and really the one of the pair that gets gets victimized right up until the end and sort of plays that role, and i I just have to wonder, I just have to wonder about that. It just
0: makes me curious
2: It's good insight. It's good insight.
0: yeah, I'm just looking up what she actually did after Tank Girl. And you know, it's not like she was quiet, but she was never at the same level that she was before. So beforehand, we beforehand we've got point break, a league of their own, mm-hmm. free Willy you know all big films where people remembered her from and then we get Tank Girl and then it's just you know small roles in films you've never heard of it's
2: it makes you feel pretty sad and we and, and it's like that until until what her cameo in Orange is the New Black then yeah she started, of course because she's how... Orange
0: is the New Black yeah
2: yeah, and yeah, until TV. until then, we had not heard much from Laurie Petty. She started to have a resurgence after that. I think right about the time the film started to have a resurgence mm. as well, right?
1: 20 years and, later?
2: Uh, yeah, something like that 20 years later, yeah. And in those 20 years, this is a point that I that I also wanted to make sure to make. In those 20 years, we have Tank Girl to thank for the female-led superhero movies, right? Mm. Barbed, Barbed Wire, starring Pamela Anderson, 1996. Let's let's ignore the tropes of that movie and, and the the clear uh, um, the the clear dri- driven uh, male gaze from it, which I will say does come up from a little bit of the comics. I'm not as familiar with the, the barbed wire comics, um, but that that does come up from a little bit of the comics. But even still, Pamela Anderson, '96 at the height of her career, right, coming off of 1995's um, um, Tank Girl. We get Barbed Wire, another strong female lead, strong agency, being the hero on her own terms. Uh, Electra with Jennifer Garner in 05, which I will say, again, Jennifer Garner at the height of her career, if it weren't for Tank Girl, we wouldn't have gotten Alias in 2001. Mm -hmm. And what, five seasons, seven seasons that Alias ran for? Strong female action star doing it her own way. Even borrowing some of that, that iconography, that imagery from Tank Girl in the various uh, outfits and disguises uh, that Sydney Bristow wore. Painkiller Jane, a little known t- made-for-TV movie starring uh, Emmanuel Valguar, a a Canadian uh, model and actress. Saw Painkiller Jane when it came out. Was made for TV. Loved it. Strong female woman, uh, uh playing an action star, um, um, and at every turn knocking down the patriarchy. Uh, Catwoman with Halle Berry in two thousand and four. Again, widely panned as a horrible movie. The second Catwoman we've seen on screen and the first Catwoman-led movie. Even and it's one of the one of the few depictions of Catwoman as a black female. Um, mm-hmm. Witchblade, another made-for-TV movie starring Yancey Butler. Yeah. Witchblade in two thousand, which also led to a spin-off TV series that got two seasons in 01 and 02. And the Witchblade comics, talk about um, uh, talk about the patriarchy in the Witchblade comics. Um, definitely uh, an interesting development, definitely an interesting lore to the comics as well. So much rich, rich history in the comics. But again, we have, you know, after Tank Girl, we have all of these strong female leads that we start to see, as well as another article that I read. Would we have the Harley Quinn that mm. we have today? Mm-hmm. The punk rock Harley Quinn. We would Quinn. not counterculture harley quinn or would she still be dressed up in the punch and judy uh, costume that we saw right batman the animated series in 91 really brought harley quinn to the surface if it weren't for tank girl we wouldn't have uh Margot Robbie's roby's harley, harley quinn we wouldn't have um um what was it called birds of prey uh or, and the or the in the emancipation of harley quinn we wouldn't have that that female-led version of harley quinn that was punk and Mm -hmm. counterculture we wouldn't have harley quinn that we see in the suicide squad today uh we might not even have harley quinn in the suicide squad right we wouldn't have wonder woman and wonder woman 1984 making millions of dollars without Tank Mm -hmm. girl and i don't think laurie petty or our director rachel rachel um, or the entire cast uh, get that much credit for what they brought uh into the future again just ahead of this
0: day yeah. And I, I completely agree. And I and I also for me, when I was watching it and thinking back about it and making my notes about this, I was thinking back how I had never seen somebody like Tank Girl on screen before. And she is a strong female character, but she's not what my current most hated trope is that a, f- a strong female character is physically strong and swears a lot and goes around punching people in the face. Tank Girl is so much more than that. And Laurie Petty brings so much more to that. You know, like you've talked about the joy, the she's effervescent on screen, like you cannot keep your eyes off her. And for me, you know, she's a direct route into all of those characters and all of those films, as you've said, whether they are good or bad, I don't think it matters. I think these films need to be made because men get to make these films all the time. And when they're bad, they still get to make more films and still get millions and, they still and millions get paid of more. dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, you know, I see I see influence of this film in Fifth Element, you know, which is a huge cult film. I see elements of this film in Dread, both in. How dread looks, some of the humour in dread, but also the two main female characters. We've got Lena Hedy as, as the main bad, bad person as mama. Mm. And then also um, uh, um look at your notes, Rhea. Everything keeps on that like, dropping out of my head. And also um, I don't want to say dread sidekick because she's got a name. Um, but I, you know, I feel like those characters don't won't exist. I feel like You know, we get to see um, Laurie Petty in Point Break. And, you know, I am a huge Catherine Bigelow fan, but she very much tells male stories. That's totally fine. I've already said I love Catherine Bigelow. But, you know, wouldn't it have been amazing if Catherine Bigelow had taken Laurie Petty and brought her to the front of an action film? Well, she didn't because that wasn't done at that time. But Mm -hmm. somebody else said, this is what we need. This is what I want to do. This is the story I want to tell. And their vision got ruined, but they still got to tell it and people are discovering it. And there's something so powerful about that. So powerful. And I love that she's reclaiming it as well, that she is going, I didn't want to talk about this for years, for years and years and years. It was a shameful secret. It ruined my career. I had to start again in TV, although she's doing wonderful now. And now she's embracing it. And it's because people are going up to her and saying, tank girl. You know, that's like the, the only two words they need to say. And that's so amazing. <laughs> and for me, like that just sums it all up. We need to start embracing these things, even if we don't like them. I did Grease 2 with Tonya. I did not like <laughs> Grease 2. And I was like, fucking hell. What amazing film to came out when it did. Mm-hmm. And so I don't Absolutely. sit and watch Grease 2, but I love it and I love what it did, and I love how powerful it was. I love the effect it had on Tonya. These are the stories I want to see. I'm so fed up of these the stories that we're still seeing all of these years later. Of, okay, I'm about to get myself in trouble. <laughs> it's a slight derailment of Martin Scorsese. I do not want to watch another one of your gangster films. You're done, you've done it. I'm so <laughs> bored. <laughs> <laughs> of your Italian dudes, Italian in quotes, being gangsters and fed up of it. Like, I don't want to see it. Stop giving that man money. He's an amazing <laughs> director. I love Martin Scorsese films, apart from a few more recent ones. But he can retire. And it's like, the reason Tank Girl is a cult film is due to the film that it is, but also because we never get to see this stuff. We never get to see it. If we were getting this all the time, we wouldn't be sat here talking about Tank Girl, and it mm. drives me flipping nuts. I don't know where this rant is going. Well, well, I've abandoned to, to add, all notes.
2: <laughs> Ria, to add to that, the the audacity of it that we don't oh, that yes. we don't see these stories told that we're just now starting to see this story told. Iron Man. Everyone credits Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man with saving Marvel and saving comic book movies. I, I, I posit that Wesley Snipes did it better in Blade yes. five years earlier. Right? Right? Blade 97? Oof. Anyway, Iron Man comes out in 08, beginning the, the climb of the MCU. We don't get a female-led superhero movie from Marvel Ugh. until Captain Marvel in 2019. That's 11, 11 years. 11 years of Marvel-dominating t- movies before we see the first female-led superhero. And Marvel has a compendium of strong female superheroes.
0: Not like we there know. were options.
2: We Not like they weren't. women options.
0: and people of color consume media and go and watch films and go to the cinema more than the white men that people think a cinema audience is. And mm-hmm. it, it makes me so angry. It makes me so angry. And just I, I'm gonna try and bring it back to Tankle, and I don't know how I can, but I think that's what that's what gets me so fired up about this film. I think you, you know, you said you wanted to go back and why I don't love it. I don't love it because I think it has been ravaged in post-production. I think it's really obvious that it has. I mm-hmm. don't love it because I think. Like, I do love it but I I, I like it less. I'm not using the right words but I think it's not as good as I thought it, as I used to think it was I think is the right way of saying it I still love it but it's just not as good I think you know you can tell that it's got a little budget you can tell that it's by people who are not you know this is their first second third outing into a film and I think so on the technical level it is not as good as I used to think it was. I mean, I literally used to think this is one of the best films ever made. I was obsessed with it. I mean, I, I joked earlier about the tights and the scissors, but I literally was like, oh my God, I want to wear a pair of tights and cut them with some scissors. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, like, like, generally, it was just like, everything in the film I thought was the best thing ever. I wanted to shave my head, all of that sort of stuff. So I think it's, it's not as good as I used to think it was, but that doesn't actually mean that I love it any less. And so I, I I think that's what I'm that's the balance where I'm at that I, you know there are better made films that doesn't mean that I don't love this film. And then it makes me sad that you can kind have of watched this film and it came out and it was critically panned. it didn't make enough money. but mm. you still think I'm not gonna work with any of these people. I'm not interested in any of these people's career. i It blows my mind because we know that if it was a mediocre, male action superhero film, those people would be super billionaires right now. Again, I still just went off on a tangent, but that's what I think, what, what I'm trying to say when I don't, I think I do love it as much. I just don't think it's as good as I used to think it was.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good perspective. That's good perspective. I, I I understand where you're coming from. Um and for me, I come every time I watch this movie now, I seem to fall in love with it more, right? <laughs> I see even and I and I I'm not sure what that is and part of it is that I love bad movies. Firstly, oh, yeah. um firstly, I love bad movies. I, they're just it, I mean the hilarity in them, especially when you can see how bad it is, um but it but when when it's clear that everyone's having fun, I just love fun movies because it like like Ada said, it's, it's, it's transformative. You can feel when the actors are having fun on set. You can see it in the movie. And Tanko is very much one of those movies. As, but as I come back to it, even as I learn more about the controversy behind the production, how it was cut cut and chopped up in the wrong ways, the scenes on the cut that were left on the cutting room floor, like the ending scene of, of finally getting rain. Can you imagine how cathartic that scene would be at the end of that movie? Oh my goodness. Um, even as I hear about all of that, I still come back to all of the things that this movie did that no one else was doing at the yeah. time, the diff, the mixed media use and how they had both um, kind of sliding cameras across existing comic panels, bringing in that true comic book lore from it, the creation of the, the new cut scenes for the kind of training montage with the tank, as well as the end surfing scene where everybody, where again, everybody's just having a good time. All of these things films weren't doing at the time. And you, don't see much of in a serious uh, um, blockbuster superhero film. I cu- You don't even see a ton of that today outside of a lot of streaming films. So I come back to that and I see those elements and I'm like, again, just this movie was ahead of its time doing new things that it took 10, 20 years for people to appreciate.
0: you remember when Ang Lee's Hulk came out and everybody yes. came in their pants about like, oh, he's done it like a comic book. Oh, it's swiping. Oh, it's done this. He's really embraced comic book stuff. Like, everybody got so Girl. excited about that, right? Nobody said that about Tank Girl. And we nope. watched, so we watched Hulk recently. We have very limited spare time. And for some reason, we keep on wasting our time watching terrible things. And we watched Hulk, because <laughs> oh. I love terrible films. Like, But I like good terrible films. So Batman Forever, I think, is one of Drew Barrymore's best performances. And I, th- I know she's only <laughs> in it for like two minutes. I love Drew Barrymore. But I think she is unbelievable in the scenes that she's in. So we watched that and people we were like, it's too much. Like he's gone, oh, I'm doing a comic book film. I'm doing it too, it. but for like watching it now as a modern audience, it's like, this is, this needs to stop, I can't watch this. But I didn't film that with Tank Girl. Again, because I think you can tell that they love it as well, that even if the creators of Tank Girl aren't happy with how their source material is being created in a, into a film, you can tell that they love it. You can tell that the director, she loves it. know, the story, isn't the story that like her stepdaughter had it and she picked up and went, I need to make this. And you can tell that. I think you're so, you're both so right about the joy and how that just permeates every single scene and how that comes off the screen and makes you feel joyful. You're bang on.
2: And it it translates to the the soundtrack as well.
0: Mm.
2: Ada, say that one more time, I cut you off.
1: Uh, It's an essential film for the apocalypse.
0: Everyone's and I would say
2: watching. the same thing about the soundtrack. Yeah. Oh,
0: we haven't even talked about the soundtrack. <sighs> okay. Because I'll just I'll just go off on random, excited yeah. tangents. You two talk about the soundtrack. Go ahead, just Tony. Qu-
2: p- placing it in uh, in context. Um, 95 bands, lots of punk bands at the time, which many people might argue that the 90s were we're starting to get into the lapse punk era, the pop punk era. Say what you will about it. Uh, Courtney Love producing mm. the soundtrack and putting it together. Not only does she include her band, but she includes so many other bands uh, that were up and coming at the time. Um, uh, Bjork, who had not get, gained a lot of notoriety by then, but has iconic songs in that movie that set the scenes. First time I ever heard Portishead was when I heard mm. the song was in the in the shower scene with Lori Petty, the sand shower. And that Portishead song, that is just pitch Road. perfect for the time. Oh my goodness. I have, I have, I fell in love with Portishead at the time. I had no idea who this band was, and I scoured the internet trying to find it back in those early days of the internet. Um, and even Courtney Love putting her own band hole in the in the um, in the soundtrack. Again, just like the ninety, the the visuals, the icon the iconography, and the camera work of the nineties was just it just captured it perfectly as a little time capsule. That soundtrack is a little time capsule. Not even the soundtrack, the score to the movie itself. Uh, the the tank uh, the tank and truck chase scene uh, after the, mm-hmm. when they are going to hijack the funds uh, that song disconnected by face to face one of my favorite songs ever um, and uh, I don't think that was on the soundtrack I think that was just in the score ah. and yeah and and um, again it's just it just perfectly captures the zeitgeist it perfectly captures what punk was in the nineties era um, it, and it and it's and I, I you know personally think it plays well to what punk was and then what punk became in the 90s era what like that original strong uh dark grungy material translating into uh, a more mainstream sensibility as well that influences the culture we we have we I just keep coming back to it how tank girl has influenced the culture for movies as well as popular culture i think all of the, the bands in there as well have that have a similar influence on on how we see that movie today and how we how we build movies today, how we build soundtracks today.
1: And just to add a quick note to that, I think well well first I just I think my favorite song on the t- soundtrack is is Ice T's uh, the song he wrote for this movie uh, Big Gun. Um, mm-hmm. But I think one other thing that really really moves me in the soundtrack. And I think is, is important is that it it's not just 90s. They, we go all the way back to Cole Porter. Um, mm. and that song, that Cole Porter song is so vital in the movie and the way that it's, it's not just a soundtrack. It's not just a, a song. That's kind of the umbrella mood of the story. The way that, the way that that Cole Porter song is written into the film and, and reprised a few different times is I think one of my favorite things about about the whole the whole shebang
0: and it works perfectly with who tank girl is as well she absorbs culture she's so interested in all of these things from the previous world that she's never been able to experience or you know experience for a very short period of her life before the great drought happens and i love that i love that she's a magpie for all these cultural things but not like it it spans everything and it bleeds into everything that she does it makes her so multi-dimensional and and why wouldn't you want to hold on to these things from the past that showed like a completely different time and again it's the joy she finds joy in it she finds joy in all this bleakness and you know that is like I said that makes me want to have her on my team she will be the one I'm looking mm-hmm. for like the, mm-hmm. the man from the road. Look, I know you do a lot to help your kids survive, but I don't want you to be around. You are bleak. I don't want any of that. <laughs> I'm go girl in this horrific post-apocalyptic world, feeling some joy, and she gets that from everything around her. She absorbs it all. She's clever. She knows how to use it back at people. You know, I I read one of the criticisms was like, oh, she's just all quips, and I was like, well, when there's nothing else, when there's a bleak landscape, but you find these remnants of culture. Why would you not just be all quips? Like, why would you like, you know, you've got to find it somewhere. It's so, and, and I just think that's really, it's just really special. And you talked about the sand shower. That scene is mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes. I love everything that that scene is doing. Mm-hmm. The music, as you pointed out, is absolutely amazing. But how it's turning that male gaze trope on its head is just. So perfect. I like to compare that scene to the Angelina Shirley Tomb Raider film where she takes an unnecessary shower and flips her hair around all the time. You're like, why is this in the Tomb Raider film? <laughs> and like this scene is yep. the exact opposite of it, and it's so brilliant. And I just it's I think that, and possibly when she's singing the Cold Water, some of my two favourite scenes of the whole film. Like mm. I just think they're fantastic. The scene I wish I'd seen. We got cut out. Is the bedroom filled of dildo?s So sad. <laughs> we haven't got to see
2: that. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that one ended up on the cutting room floor. That would have been again. It would have set the tone for who Tank Girl is and showed that that strength, that agency, that uh, that making your own choices, right?
1: That sense
0: of fun.
2: Mm. That sense of fun at all times. And like Absolutely. yeah,
0: again. Look at the world she's living in. Why would you not have a room filled with dildos? Mm-hmm. Why? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Right? I mean,
2: so Rick, we've heard your favorite scene. I've got my favorite scene is definitely going to be the chase scene post heist um, when we actually get to see Tank Girl and her tank in action. <laughs> uh, very sad that Jet Girl never shows up in there. I think Jet Girl is so underutilized in this movie.
1: Truly, really? um,
2: so underutilized. But but that that was probably the height of the action. Even even more than kind of the last action scene with the final fight. That chase scene is, is definitely my favorite. Ada, what's your favorite scene or your favorite couple of scenes?
1: My two favorite scenes from Tank Girl are the tank and jet um, re- reconstruction and remodeling montage mm. and the feast and the dancing uh, in the Ripper lair those are those are my two favorite scenes and i don't i don't i can't i don't know if i have any particular rhyme or reason why they just are i look forward to them every time i watch it there there've been a couple of times that i've put the movie on just to watch those two scenes i just love them
0: so so Good one choice. of my final questions to the two of you is that i am on record of saying in beauty and the beast the beast is way hotter than the prince I am like, as soon as the prince, as soon as he's transformed into prince, I'm like, oh no, I've lost interest. Beast, two (laughs) thumbs up. Prince, boo. Uh, So, tank girl, original boyfriend, kangaroo boyfriend. Which one are you going for? Oh my God, (laughs) blow
1: Also, like, my people Ooga. oh booga for sure Absolutely. and his origin Absolutely. story in the comic books is so different and they're the way they meet is different like the old boyfriend may as well just not even exist i mean he doesn't really because he gets killed tragically and
2: Bad, but <laughs> he, was, he was just a pl- he was there for exactly what he needed to be you mm-hmm. needed him as a plot device to mm-hmm. show that this woman has some agency she chooses her own man she don't take no guff and that when he dies her world ain't over she gonna move on that's what he was there for he did his job we thank him for his death
0: <laughs> yeah Boom. yeah agreed
2: absolutely Absolutely. Oh, I, I kind of so wish. Funny. I kind of wish Booga was more like he was in the comics, right? I think. Um, I think. I think they played Booga. But they did him dirty, right? Come on. Uh, oh, uh, I was, I was once a dog. dog but I was, yeah. Yeah. Good, come on. You did. I think you did Booga dirty. I think you can have that fun character that also is someone who's seeking joy in a in a messed up world um, that has that childlike naivete without you know making him a child.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, in the comic book, he's writing a novel. He's a scholar. He's a, a, a renowned world traveler. He's a scientist. Where, Where is all of that?
2: Yeah, yeah, right. Or I, any I, of that. I, 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 yeah, I, I feel like the Rippers were underutilized, but yes, to your question, hands down, team Booga, all the way.
0: Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you very much. <laughs> no contest.
2: Yeah. So Excellent. I, I got a question. I got a question for all of you that I'd love some answers. Um. What do you want in a Tank Girl re- re- reboot? Or what would you want to see in Tank Girl 2? You, and, and you can say, I want this to come out in the early 90s and be this. Or you could say, I want this to come out right now and be this.
0: Such a great question that I wasn't prepared for. Oh, I haven't prepared. I'll, I'll start. Oh, Ada.
2: Then Ada gets to start. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Tank Girl Reboot comes out in 2033.
2: Oh,
0: beautiful. Oh,
1: Lori Petty is in it. Naomi Watts is in it. We get the original Booga and Tank origin story. And we get some of that 1995 throwback energy to soundtrack, to wardrobe, to... Just some of that, like early bringing in the the comic panels and intersplicing the animation with the with the uh, human beings, um, and it would uh, it would have a Courtney Love esque woman um, on the soundtrack. Maybe Willow Smith does the soundtrack, um, mm. and the Cole Porter song makes a comeback.
2: Mm. you want to maintain that that musical scene with cole porter
1: i don't maintain it reimagine it bring mm. back some sort of musical theme some sort of sing-along um with mm-hmm, that song mm-hmm. it could be in a totally different context don't care but it
0: has to be there that's what i, I like want that.
2: i like that yeah I like that. ria do you want to go or should i go
0: Ooh. next so i think what i want to keep is the costuming I don't want it updated. I don't want it updated in a Harley Quinn New 52 style way. I do not want that. Um, that's not the aesthetic I'm here for, especially in general, but especially in Tank Girl. Um, I'd love to keep that. Uh, I love the idea of Laurie Pettinger knowing what's still being in it. That'd be amazing. I think I want. Yeah, I want more musical numbers. I think Tank Girl, the zaniness of Tank Girl can carry that off. So I think more musical numbers really Mm -hmm. feel that sense of her finding joy in this terrible world. I want a more interesting villain. Mm. Mm. Like, I don't want her saving the world. I want it to be quite, like, small and her focusing on sort of like a a small thing that she needs to do and then all the zaniness, randomness happens around her. Cast-wise, I'm really into this question. I'm not sure. I kind of, I can't see anybody else apart from Laurie Petty, which is terrible, but this film's so informative for me in my Mm -hmm. my youth. Like, you can see the women I now fancy are very much based on like faith from Buffy the vampire slayer
2: mm.
0: and Petty is tank girl like you can see mm. there's a they're they're the women I tend to be sexually attracted to um and they are vastly different um so yeah I think I don't know the cast oh I'm gonna you go I'm gonna think more of the cast and we'll think more about
2: okay. that I, I personally have two minds in this right my my I, if there was a reboot, I'd want it to be set in the now. Uh, I would want it to. Um, um, I would want to try and maintain that steampunk vibe, that post-apocalyptic vibe, that kind of steampunk post-apocalyptic vibe. But if there was a reboot, I'd, I could take it being updated, fresh cash, fresh characters. Heck, if Margot Robbie was the star of the reboot, mm. I'd be okay with that. I don't think I, she wouldn't be my first choice necessarily, but. Uh, yeah, she can pull it off. No big deal. Um, What I would really love to see would be a 1996, 1997 sequel where where they kept the original story going, right? We get to see more of the Rippers. They bring back Malcolm McDowell's villain for round two. We get to see more of the Rippers and how um, either how uh, 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 um, Rebecca's late relationship Uh, either increases and changes and flourishes with the Rippers or maybe how Rebecca and Booga and Jet Girl go their own way and do their own thing Mm. and the Rippers are off fighting a different battle, right? I'd want to see a true, ideally a true 96, 97 sequel so we can bring back that that '90s love, bring back that '90s vibe. Um, have that cast that had so much fun. See Lori Petty at her height. See Naomi Watts in her in her early career still. And bring and then bring back some of those villains that survived. I don't want anyone to make a resurrection. That always annoys me. Uh, but but give them an opportunity to put it back in the right time, in the right place, and bring us a second story from Tinker. Right? I, I don't. I wouldn't even say it has to go back to the comics to pull material there. I think you just continue on and show us that next story. Show us, Mm. show us the net, show us round two uh, with Malcolm McDowell's villain. Show us round two with water and power. Heck bring a, bring a female lead, bring back. The the uh, bring back the mistress of liquid silver. Yeah, elevate her position. She now runs water with, and power. Yeah, she yes she run, have her run water and power. Have her being partnering with or, or 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 bring back that Malcolm McDowell villain. You know what? Bring back Malcolm McDowell's villains in the early stage. Kill him off and have him show that the, that is his successor or the person pulling the strings was the mistress from liquid uh, from water Ooh. and power or from liquid silver, right? Love give that. me a true sequel to tank girl and let them run uh, uh with that that feeling in the 90s that would be my ideal tank girl Two. Oof.
0: you convinced me that's what i want i think that's where i'm struggling <laughs> like if we remake are they gonna update it and i don't think that's what i want i think i want yeah. a continuation of this
2: i want a tank girl i want a true tank girl 2 in mm. 97 right mm. that would be my ideal um but Margot Robbie, if you're listening, remake that movie. So <laughs> put, put, that mo- put that money down do and it. remake this movie. Let's see it. Yes, let's do it. It's worth it.
0: We'll make sure we uh, tag her in all of the social media and the bring Barney media. in. I want
1: some of the rest of the Tank Girl cast in this yeah. movie, other than just Jet Girl.
2: Yeah, let's get Sub Girl in there. Yeah, as, that's as what I, I, as, was I read, say. as I read as I read Sub Girl, the the what was never known was that the woman. Who um, who magically has an amazing machine and engineering shop underground in the desert? That that was Subgirl. And that Subgirl was meant to have a part in that movie that ended up on the cutting room floor.
0: I did not know that.
2: I, I, if I'm not mistaken, wow. she is in the credits. She is a Cusack. Anne Cusack, I believe, is uh-huh. the actress. Yes. If I'm,
0: yeah, yeah. if I'm not
2: mistaken, she is, she is credited as. Come Subgirl. fix up
1: your take in my garage.
2: Right? Now don't get me started about where a submarine is going to end up in, in a in a world where there is no actual water, but I, that's we'll save that one for the for the funny papers. Just just bring more of the just bring more of the give subgirl a chance. Give subgirl a
0: chance,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Give subgirl a chance.
0: Oh, this has made me so happy. It really has. Anything else before we wrap up? Bring subgirl. Make that give subgirl a
2: chance. Justice for Subgirl. Justice <laughs> for Subgirl, absolutely. <laughs>
0: oh. oh, this was such an amazing you. This would not have happened without the two of you now. I know, it would just be me, Sam Loney, with Tank Girl on my list, trying to convince people to watch it. Um, oh,
1: Everybody, go watch Tank Girl.
0: Do it. And it's okay if you absolutely. don't like it, but you're wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. I will say you mentioned you mentioned a couple other heroes, and I know we've been talking about another a bunch of movies, but uh, uh, I will say um, I'm a big anime fan, and I've always had I've always had a thing for strong female leads. Um, two movies that came out, um, two Japanese animation that came out right around the same time: um, uh, Ghost in the Shell yeah. 1994. Uh, Iria Zerum the animation nineteen ninety four. Both two both hit the the US market right at the same time, both have that strong female iconic character that's not necessarily overpowering all the men uh, but outthinking them and out moving them in different ways. I think a lot of, I think a lot of Tank Girl has, um, um, I think Tank Girl has, has pulled some of that, seen some of that from not only the US comics, but also the anime market where you see a lot more of that strong female representation in different ways. Say, the Sailor Moon series, that is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dragon Ball Z series and the, and the females uh, that they have in that series as well. And then again, those female led movies like Ghost in the Shell being one of the most famous, uh, as well as Idia Zerum, the animation, that doesn't get a ton of play, but uh, is, a, is a great example of, of again, that 90s flair, that 90s feel um, with a strong female lead. Right. Um, so yes, so all of that to say, this is the, the fir- one of the first opportunities I've had to talk about some of the, the those 90s movies that I love that have those, that are comic based, have those strong female leads. So I can't thank you enough for having me on here. Um, this has been, been great uh, uh, to know and find other people that love Tank Girl as much as I do.
0: I, I feel like this is a strong future relationship for the three of us and there are going to be many other films that we will suddenly be like, oh, um, I think we need to jump on and chat about this. I feel, because I've never spoken to you before, Tony, and obviously I've spoken to Ada and, and obviously I think Ada is one of the most wonderful human beings ever, but we sort oh. of, We sort of will mention something and then talk about that. And then we never sort of branch out. And then as I said, like we talked, we Ada said tanker. And I was like, yes. And then she talked about polite society. And I was like, oh my God, Ada. Oh my God. Like, oh I love you so much. Um we're gonna excite
1: society until you can watch it.
0: (laughs) So so like obviously (laughs) there's so much more that Ada and I need to discuss and and geek out about. And I feel like you will be part of those conversations and that's very mm. exciting for me because usually it's just my poor other half but i say that he's a geek as well so we geek and learn <laughs> out about things together so we have a wonderful time together but like he doesn't want to come and talk to me <laughs> on a podcast about them so now you two are in trouble
2: <laughs> really it would be my honor it would be I, my honor to be back and i appreciate it greatly
0: i will have to it's send to you the fem on list good trouble and you can send me a list back. And then we could just have an amazing time. Yes, ma'am. Very up for that. Right. So where can people find you if you want them to find you?
2: Uh, I am. I don't have a huge social media presence, honestly, although that may be changing as I am working with many of the um, many of the uh, Comics in Motion team uh, with the new comic uh, literature anthology that's coming out uh, later this year. Uh, looking at a a juxtaposition of comic books and classic literature. Uh, So so you'll probably see me on the socials promoting that uh, soon enough. Uh, But for now, um, I would say you can find me here uh, at at Film on Film, as well as uh, in the Comics in Motion podcast where uh, the the She-Hulk Comics in Motion podcast from 2022, uh, if you're looking for anything else I've done in the past.
0: Yes, I should link to that, shouldn't I?
2: I think it would it's be great, great
0: to give show. it to play. It's a great show. Beta, where can people find you? They know where to find the, you. The best, best place to find me, me is
1: femon.show. Uh, you can also check out my website, www.aamcartney.com for a bunch of other stuff.
0: And obviously you're here to listen to Fem Film, but so you may only be picking this up because you're interested in film, but please, please go and listen to Poetry Theatre. It's extraordinary. And Ada has so many interesting conversations with poets. She did a birthday special, um, shared one of her poems. And I've listened to it on repeat. You've probably got Whoa. quite high figures on that one. Well, I don't know if you keep it downloaded, I don't know if it records all the different listens. But uh yeah, so I've that never one is amazing. Um, but you've also got wonderful conversations with other poets with fellow poets. So please go and check that out. And hopefully you know our Instagram. I have to look it up though. So go and find us at femon Collective, because <laughs> yeah, it will not stay in my head at Femme Collective. And obviously keep on liking and subscribing. And our listeners are so important to us. And hearing your voices, we want to hear more of them. So come and connect. Let us know Talk what you about think about Tank Girl. Let us know what you think about Tank Girl. Yeah, we're going to have to do something fun around Tank Girl, aren't we? I hope Let's so. do it. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you both so much. This has been amazing. I'm so happy. And now I get to go and annoy my other half by being all hyper right before bedtime. Um <laughs> he's going to have to ask me to calm down. Yay, thanks. Thank you, Thanks so
2: much, Ria. Smash the paint, Rocky. <laughs>